So, excited to see you guys all here this morning. So today, we're going to be following our parables series. So today, I have the opportunity to talk to you guys about two different parables. The parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And how Jesus tells these two parables is they're pretty similar. So we're going to look at them sort of side by side this morning. So if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 15. And we're going to start in verse 1. Again, Luke 15, starting in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he had lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to him, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the opportunity to learn about you through your word. And I thank you for each person in this room. I pray that you open our hearts, and I pray that the Holy Spirit is ever so present with us this morning as um, you communicate what you want us to take away from this message. In Christ's name, amen. So this past weekend, a group of my friends and I, we headed out to Indiana to go to a mutual friend's wedding. So we've got the dream team going to Indiana. We've got me... (laughs) Need I say more? And then we've got Hannah Houston, we've got Jur, we've got Abby Pritchard, we've got Zach Stahl, we've got Marissa Pilatus. Basically, it was a hoot and a half. And we're going to Adam Crawford's brother's wedding. I'm sure some of you might have remembered Paul Crawford. Yeah, he's married now, which is very strange and a little terrifying, but hey, I watched it happen. He is a husband. So, how the weekend was going to go, the wedding was on Sunday, so we decided to make sort of a trip out of it, a little weekend vacation. So, we drove out there Friday, and we stayed in an Airbnb Friday night, Saturday night, and the wedding was on Sunday. So, the plan was, half of us was going to drive back home after the wedding Sunday night, through through the night, to get back home on Monday morning while the smarter of the group decided to get a hotel and sleep and then drive back on Monday morning. So, this weekend. It was very fun getting to spend time with my friends in an Airbnb. We kind of all felt like we're on vacation. We think we said, it's vacation, let's go! 
and we're just like eating way too much food. We had a little bit too much fun, but it was a blast. But one thing that you guys should know about this weekend is, it might surprise you, but I'm sure some of you know Abby Pritchard. <laughs> oh yeah. So she is 23 years old, and she sleeps with her blankie every night. So she had this blankie all weekend. And this blankie, um, I'll describe it as well-loved. It was faded. It was like a grayish blue color that looked like it was once bright blue or a prettier blue. But there was various stains all over it. And I did not want to go near that thing. But basically, every night, she just had her little blankie cuddled right up next to it, and just like, oh, my blankie, I love this so much. And we're all like, you're 23 years old. But it's okay. So we go throughout the, the weekend. Abby's sleeping with her blanket every night. Sunday comes around. The wedding happens. We have fun. A group of us go home to leave. So Abby, Zach, Hannah, and Hooge all drive back home Sunday night, while Jer, me, and Marissa decide to get a hotel, sleep, and drive off the next morning. So about an hour or so after the first group left Sunday night, we start getting frantic phone calls and texts. Um, basically, the worst has happened. Abby cannot find her blankie. We are... Hannah's calling us like, hey, did you, uh, did you pack Abby's blankie? And we're like, definitely not. <laughs> Didn't want to touch that thing. Um, Abby's texting me. He's like, hey, do you know where it is? Where was the last thing you saw? Did you pick it up at the Airbnb? I'm like, we're like, no, we didn't. We, I don't know where it is. I can't find it. She is freaking out. So she decides to tell us to text our host Airbnb person in the middle of the night asking if we can go to the Airbnb and look for it. The problem was, we already had, there was already guests checked into that Airbnb. So you can imagine, Jer, Marissa, and I were like, um, no, we're not going to the Airbnb in the middle of the night, knocking on the door and asking if we can come in to look for this blankie, because that just sounds absurd. So we're like, Abby, fine, nope, we're not going to do that. She's like, OK, how about, um, OK, here, how about this? Zach and I are going to turn around, come home, and then I'll look for the blankie the next morning. We're like, Abby, it's not worth it. Don't do that. That's a little too much. And she's like, well, actually, how about this? On Monday, I'll drive back to Indiana in search of my blankie. We're like, oh, boy. <laughs> this was important. She lost this blankie, and she was determined to find this blankie. She was absolutely frantic. So in the midst of that, the host Airbnb lady responds to us and saying, hey, good news, the guests that were supposed to be canceled, like that were supposed to be there actually canceled, so there's no one staying at the Airbnb, so you guys can check it out in the morning. So we're like, great, tell Abby that, awesome. She's safe for a little bit longer. She is willing to let us look for this blankie the next morning. So we get there in the morning, Monday morning, before we drive off back home, we walk in the door, and I kid you not, Jer steps into the Airbnb and looks to the left and sees that disgusting blankie sitting on the ground. We're like, oh boy, grab it, 
immediately call Abby to FaceTime her and tell her the wonderful news. Her lost Blanky has returned home, and she immediately starts crying tears of joy. <laughs> I, I don't think I've seen her more happy ever. And let me tell you, a week prior, she got engaged. So <laughs> she was more excited about this Blanky. <laughs> let me, sorry, Zach. But I tell you that story because this just shows that Abby was going above and beyond to find this valued blankie that she loved so dearly. And I think that goes along with this parable that we're going to talk about. So instead of a disgusting blankie being lost, we have a sheep and a lost coin. So before we really go into this parable, I want to first set the scene. Let's get the context of this parable before we really jump into it. So if you open your Bibles to Luke 15, let's first read verses 1 and 2, which says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So let's pause there for a moment. So we see a scene of sinners and tax collectors who were deemed the worst of the worst in society of that day. They're drawing near to Jesus, remaining close to Jesus, while Pharisees on the other side are annoyed and grumbling. And I think there's even something more that we can learn if we back up into chapter 14. Right before this happens, we see Jesus teaching and preaching about the cost of discipleship. He just got done telling this group of people that in order to follow him, it's not going to be easy. In verse 33, he even says, So therefore, any of you who do not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So he's just got done telling this sort of very convicting story, this convicting teaching. And instead of the tax collectors and the sinners turning away from Jesus and being like, I don't want any of that, that seems a little too difficult, we see them described as drawing near to him. So that doesn't deter the sinners and the tax collectors. That just makes them want to learn more about Jesus. They're more intrigued by him. And like I said, on the other side, we see the Pharisees and the scribes and they're very frustrated and judgmental. They make this critical comment saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And this comment, this statement, is what spurs on Jesus to tell these parables afterwards. Jesus begins teaching because of that critical statement that the Pharisees made. A critical statement saying that basically... Why are you spending time with those people? We see the Pharisees looking down on the tax collectors and the sinners. So we have this scene sort of set up. As well, let's look at the characters that we see in the parable before we really go into it. Because these parables that Jesus teaches, he's trying to point to something greater. He has a meaning towards each parable that he says. So the characters will more often than not allude or symbolize someone else. So the characters we see 
in the lost sheep and the lost coin, let's characterize them. First, we've got the shepherd and the woman, and that symbolizes Jesus or God. Next, we have a lost sheep and a lost coin, and that symbolizes those who are lost, those who are unbelievers. And lastly, the last characters that we're going to talk about are the friends and the neighbors, and that is the body of believers, the capital C Church Christians. So we have the context set up. We have the characters all set up. So let's start getting into this parable. Like I said before, the parable starts off because of the Pharisees' statement, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And that statement highlights and sheds a light into the hearts of the Pharisees. We get a glimpse of how the Pharisees perceive the sinners and the tax collectors. The Pharisees see the lost as people to stay away from and to avoid. Jesus shows us these, tells us these two parables and highlights how he sees the lost and how he sees the sinners, the tax collectors, and the unbelievers. And I noticed three different ways of how Jesus sees the sinners and the tax collectors and the lost. So we're going to look at those today. So the first way that Jesus sees the lost is that he sees them as his own. And we see that in verses 4 as well as in verse 8. It says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Now let's jump down to the parable of the lost coin. Verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? So from this, we can see that the shepherd owns the sheep and the woman owns the coin. They belong to them. And not only do they belong to them, we can also see that it's a treasured possession, that the shepherd and the woman value the sheep and the coin. And we see that because they start looking for it. And they don't just flippantly look for it. They really look for it intensely. We see the shepherd leave 99 other sheep to go search for one sheep. We see the woman sweep her house, take apart her house, look for this coin until she finds it. We see an intensive focus to find what was lost. And because we see how much they were willing to look for it, we can see how much they loved it and how much they valued it. So for instance, if I were to lose my Starbucks gold member card and I also lost my library card, I think I would spend maybe 10 seconds looking for my library card and I probably would spend all day looking for my gold member Starbucks shiny card because it's pretty, it's gold, not a lot of people have them anymore, and I earned that sucker. <laughs> so you can see that I value that gold Starbucks member card more than I value 
that library card because I was willing to really look for that gold member card. And just like that, we can see that you search for something. If you value it more, you're willing to spend more time looking for it. You're more focused. You're more intense about finding it. So we can see that the shepherd and the woman value the sheep and the coin very deeply. And that shows us that Jesus deeply values those that are lost, that he loves those that are lost because he's willing to search for them. As I was studying this passage, I thought about the idea that Jesus has more of a quality over quantity sort of mentality with this. And what I mean by that is he's not seeing the lost as just a bunch of numbers or he doesn't see a person just by a group of a mass amount of them. He sees them as individual souls. He sees the person. He doesn't just count how many. And this is important because it shows that Jesus loves each individual human. Each individual human. Not humans as a whole. He does love humans as a whole. But he individually loves each and every human. So Jesus sees the lost as his own and he loves them. He also sees that the lost cannot be found without him. And this is evident in verse 4 and 5. At the end of verse 4 it says, he doesn't leave the 99 in the open country and goes after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. So at this point, we see the shepherd actively taking part in this search. He's the one going after the sheep. And this is pointing towards the fact that Jesus actively takes part in seeking out those that are lost, those that are unbelievers. And this was a new concept for the people at that time. This would have surprised them thinking that God, that Jesus, would go out of his way to search for a sinner. And I think the fact that the shepherd, that the woman, that Jesus looks for those that are lost is important because it shows, it highlights that the lost cannot be found on their own. I think we see this in how Jesus uses the sheep and the coin. The sheep are notably very dumb animals. They will just wander and wander, and there's no way they're going to find their way back home because they just follow wherever they're going. And coins, I don't know about you, but if I lose a coin, it doesn't just hop back in my pocket. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so Jesus is showing that the lost can't be found on their own. That someone 
has to seek them out. I also love in verse 5, it just shows a beautiful picture of the shepherd laying the sheep across their shoulders and carrying them home. I think that's just a beautiful picture of how Jesus carries those back to him. He's the one that's doing the heavy lifting. It shows Jesus' love, his comfort, his willingness to really just get in there and carry them home. So we see Jesus sees the lost as his own, first off. We see Jesus sees the lost as needing his help to find them. And thirdly, we see that Jesus sees sinners as a cause for celebration once they are found. This is evident in verse 6 and 9. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to him, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Verse 9 says, And when she is found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. I think what's important about this is it shows that immediately upon finding the lost sheep and the lost coin, the shepherd and the woman rejoice. They celebrate. They're not angry with the sheep. The shepherd doesn't scold the sheep for leaving. The shepherd's first instinct is to celebrate what was lost. And not only celebrate himself, but he invites other people to celebrate alongside him. The woman and the shepherd invite their friends and their neighbors to take part in the party of finding the lost sheep or coin. And this shows that Jesus intended for the body of believers, Christians, the church, to celebrate alongside him once the lost are found. He allows us to partake in the celebration of the lost being found. So we see Jesus sees the lost as his own, as those needing him to seek them out. And thirdly, he sees them as a cause for celebration once they're found. The parable doesn't stop there. There's a punchline to these parables, and it's found in verse 7 and verse 10. It reads, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So the punchline to these two parables can be summed up into one word, and that's repentance. And as I was looking and studying this passage, I found it interesting that Jesus brings up repentance here. Because up until this point, it looks like the shepherd and the woman are the ones doing all the action in the parable. But Jesus brings this up 
to show that in the midst of Jesus seeking out the lost, the lost have a part to play as well. Yes, Jesus finds the lost, but the lost have to accept the finding. The sheep has to rest on the shepherd's shoulders as the shepherd carries it home. The sheep has to accept that the shepherd is carrying it home. It can't wiggle out of the way. It has to accept and let the shepherd carry him off. And that just reminded me of how we should rest on our good shepherd's shoulders. But he has to be the one to do the heavy lifting. We have to trust and allow him to carry us. And that looks like repentance. Looks like accepting who Jesus is, what he's done, understanding what we've done, the sin that we've taken part of, and turning around and choosing to follow after Christ, to turn away from the sin and to follow him instead. So in the midst of this punchline of the parables, we also see Jesus point to the Pharisees. Because remember, he was talking to the Pharisees in this parable. Part of these parables were directed at the Pharisees at this point. We see him acknowledge and point towards the Pharisees in verse 7 when he's calling the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So what Jesus is doing there, he's using a bit of irony. When he's saying righteous persons, he's basically calling the Pharisees self-righteous because they don't believe that they need saving at all. They don't believe that they were lost at all. Jesus, at the end of this parable, shows that he does not celebrate those who believe they don't need to be saved. He celebrates those who know that they're lost and are now found. That's what Jesus celebrates in these parables. So we are taught that God values and treasures those that are lost. So once they are found, we should also rejoice because they've been found and turned away from their sin. And I don't think this only just looks like salvation. What I mean by that is, I don't think the body of believers only get to rejoice in conversion of someone becoming a Christian. I think we also get to take part and celebrate when unbelievers take a step towards Jesus. We get to celebrate when the kid from our school that we know is not a Christian shows up to church on Sunday. We get to celebrate and rejoice when a family member or a friend who doesn't follow Jesus starts asking questions about Jesus. We get to celebrate and rejoice in that because we can see them coming closer to Jesus. 
So yes, we should rejoice over the lost being found. But I think this parable also highlights that that doesn't always happen. That what do we do if our hearts aren't there? So remember, I told you the story of Abby finding her blanket. But what I left out of that story was Jer, Marissa, and my reaction upon hearing that the blankie was found. I strategically left out that there was a lot of rolled eyes and, oh my gosh, I just want to go home. I don't want to search for this blankie. It's not mine. I don't care about it. Abby, why don't you just get over it? It's a blankie. I left that out because that shows that we didn't see the point in going after searching for the blankie because we didn't value the blankie. And I think in the same way, I think the Pharisees were annoyed with Jesus because they didn't value those who were tax collectors and sinners. This parable highlights how much Jesus values the lost and how little the Pharisees did. So my question to you guys this morning is, do you value the lost? Do you love the lost? Are you willing to celebrate and rejoice if and when they come to Christ? Is that your first instinct to celebrate alongside them? And I think in order to get to that point of valuing the lost, there's a couple of things that we have to understand first. The first thing we have to understand is just how much Jesus loves them, how Jesus looks at them as his children, as his own, as his beloved, as his treasured. And one way that we can start doing that is found in prayer. praying over asking God for eyes to see the lost as he sees the lost, praying for a heart to love them, to see them how he sees them. I think it's also important to start praying for those that are lost by name, individually. Because I think once you pray for someone by name, you start to value them and love them a little bit more your heart starts to be involved more. So we can start valuing the lost and loving the lost by understanding how Jesus sees them through prayer as well as understanding that we were once lost too. That if we're believers, just like them, we were lost and we had to be found. Jesus had to seek out every believer this is not just for those who, deem, who we deem as the worst of society, but is for everyone in this room. Jesus has to actively take part in seeking out the lost. So wrapping up this parable, these two parables, Jesus was teaching the Pharisees, 
the tax collectors, the sinners, his disciples, and us, that since he seeks and loves unbelievers, we should respond with the same love for sinners as God had. Will you pray for me this morning? Dear Lord, I thank you for your love and for how each individual, each lost, each found individual is loved and belongs to you. I thank you for your willingness and your heart to seek out those that are lost. And I pray that we learn from that parable this morning, that we learn to see the lost as you see them, that we learn to to love the lost because you love them. Pray that you convict our hearts of when we are not doing that. I pray that you bring to light people that might be hard to love. Ultimately, Lord, I pray that we have a heart that mimics you. In Christ's name.